So the experience of space and time, the world of space and time is something we all are familiar with. It's uh, how it all changes, obviously. Time is moving on. Yesterday is gone, tomorrow hasn't yet arrived. When tomorrow arrives, it won't be long before it's gone. Coming and going. Space, I've arrived here, you've arrived here. Before too long, we will be on our separate ways. And so on. The world of space and time, separation, change, uh, comings and goings. Seeking what? Happiness, well-being, understanding, uh, warm-heartedness, peace. Mm -hmm. How does that manifest in this experience? Mm -hmm. We are beset by uh, uncertainty about the future. And the present that we have, it's reasonably comfortable, could very well change, certainly will change. Might change for the better, might change for the worse, we don't know. Change. So where's the, where's the, where's the uh, refuge, where's the stability, where's the peacefulness in that? Quite fragmentary, isn't it? Generally, we maintain that by finding some fairly decent piece of territory, uh, pleasant enough people to be with, and we try to firm that up. So we can be with that as long as possible until and we recognize, yeah, well, until these two will go, including this, this body, this house, this place, this friend, and so forth. Is that so? That's probably on a good day. Sometimes <laughs> 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 the world of space and time deals us a few blows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we experience grief, and we experience sorrow, and we experience loss, and uh, we experience uh, not being able to hold on to what we enjoy and feel pleased by. Or in fact, the situation people are arguing, are quarrelling over pieces of place or time or situations. And it gets quite ugly, doesn't it? Fighting and you know, for the agreeable pieces, the wealth, the comfort. Of space and time, limited. And we bear with it. But we could do more. This is why the Buddha pointed out the limitations of these, this experience, and also once one recognizes the limitations of it, and there's also another domain, another realm, another way that we can tap into, then one gets a certain amount of eagerness to to perceive that, not negating 
the world of space and time, but actually giving it a firm foundation. In quality, the timeless, measureless, uh, not bounded mm. to others as to myself. Free from ill will, free from conflict, free from hostility, treasuring these. And where do these experience? Where are these qualities experienced in the domain of chitta, the domain of the heart? <coughs> we will recognize that. And uh, so recognizing something we already, yeah, we know that. Uh, but it, perhaps that also is limited or fragmentary. So but there's, a, there's an avenue there. Could this be developed? Could this be made much of? Could this be absorbed into and fully uh, distilled for our long-lasting welfare and happiness? <coughs> Although these qualities, we call them the measureless abidings, goodwill, which is the sense of that which rises up with a a quality of uh, some sense of bestowing. And we all enjoy bestowing gratitude, gifts, uh, happiness on, on others. Compassion, that which uh, tries to ward off or protect against harm, abuse, callousness, non-caring. We all recognise that. We uh, may make efforts in that way. Gladness, appreciative joy. Feeling pleased when another person succeeds or receives happiness or comes out of illness and is made well. Returns to good health. Someone's in a trouble and they get out of trouble. Oh, we feel, we feel good about that. Imagine. And we could admire uh, the skills, the strengths, the uh, beauties the, uh, of others, whether they're publicly acknowledged or not. We can feel a sense of gladness at other people's welfare, at their skills, their strengths, their their uh, facilities, faculties, appreciative joy. And this really helps us to be part of each other, doesn't it? Only we're not, well, she's got this and I didn't. Take it on, recognise the heart can do that. And equanimity, the quality of a, a serenity, perhaps even rare for us, most of us, I imagine. But uh, it's the recognition that uh, you, know, you can be present, you can be sensitive to others and care for them, and also trust them to go their own way. Advising, certainly, 
encouraging, certainly. Uh, warning, certainly. But not crowding out, not um, fussing over, not smothering people. And not getting lost in dejection or elation. <coughs> people are people, humans are humans. Sense of space in relationship. Perhaps rarer to experience. Uh, and to others as to oneself. And again, this is where it gets strangely difficult. Oneself, myself. Mm. What is that? And why is that difficult? <coughs> well, the jitta, the jitta, as it comes into the world of space and time, so we have a dimension or a domain which is not bound in space and time, which we half recognize. The fact that, yeah, you know, some pieces of five years ago are still here. How come? It didn't all pass away. You know, some pieces that have been here for 20 years, are, you know, I can still remember them. They're still here, they're still affecting me. Well, that didn't seem to end, did it? Some things get laid down as residu- residuum. This residuum is myself. Basically, I is the agent, me is the, is the recipient, myself is the accumulation. You know, so of all the events that have passed, the moments of time, the changes in situations, some of those uh, uh, had strong guiding effects for good or for bad, accompanied by suffering or by pleasure, by uh, sorrow or by joy, and they got established as benchmarks, oh, this is a, this is a mark, this is a sign, this is something to, to structure in. All this happens pretty much instinctively. Something accumulates. And, uh, and some of that's uh, good, and some of it's bad, mixed. Myself. <coughs> Myself is essentially primarily the results of uh, what has happened. Well, everything that's happened, but the significant ones, the cause of karma. Ones that have uh, been established, and one has been acted upon. Something's been placed as this is this is yours, this is happening to you, and you've used that as a, as a basis and you've acted upon it. So you do something, you get criticized, okay, therefore I'll act in another way. So that piece of result, that piece of something that happens to you, then becomes a guiding mark for, or don't do that, do this. So it, it acts as the as the gateway to future actions. Some of its negative criticism could be friendly criticism, positive criticism. You know, this is, you know, don't drive like this, drive like that. Um, you know, this is our learning process, and in that, uh, we get established as myself. 
It seems very strangely stable, even though it's all built out of tiny snowflakes of events that lay down a, a, a layer. It doesn't seem to melt, it gets frozen, it gets established. <coughs> so, essentially, in terms of the teachings, you say, well, you know, if you're going to lay down anything, it's better to lay down the good stuff. Yeah, since uh, and the ones you've decided upon, yeah, the ones you've decided upon. So things may happen to you, and some, and then you go, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't. The response to that uh, criticism, pain, or reward, or praise, whatever. No, that isn't. I don't want to act in that way. I don't want to act defensively or with pride or. It didn't feel good. This is unusual to have that amount of wisdom. Particularly <laughs> <laughs> early on, you know, we just tend to go immediately on the pleasure pain, react to it. As you get more uh, deeply considered, you begin to think, well, some, sometimes you're criticised, blamed, but still, you think, no. No, this is appropriate. I don't trust the people who are blaming me. I think this is the appropriate thing to do. So even though it's unpleasant, you can still do it. So, well, I don't... I do trust that person, even though that is difficult, I'll do it. So you begin to establish wisdom in assessing... Essentially, you assess the quality of the I, the actor. This is something you can't really change the past, but you can change what you do now. You can't change what's happened to you, or well, not right now you can't, so, but you can change how you act. You say, I'm not going to act on fear, ill will, hostility, blind prejudice, uh, knee jerk reactions, the pause. So we build this in as part of our learning process because everything you act upon is going to lay down a residue. Yeah. Another dusting of snow. Uh, and some of it doesn't melt that easy. So, you know, well, I'm going to pause at least and recognise where I get compulsive, where I get knee-jerk and say, just, just give me a second or two on that one. What's that one feel like? This is me getting irritable. Don't like, don't trust that one. Pause. Could it turn into, instead of being angry and irritable, could it turn into simple, clear decisiveness? Rather than snappy and grumpy, just, no, um, no, I, I don't agree with that. That's not your will. It's still a refusal to act, but it's not based upon anger and hostility. So just give yourself that pause to, no, I don't agree with that. I respect your opinion of this. <coughs> so you can give yourself a pause. It's called Bamada heedfulness. Buddha said this is the path to the deathless. The beginning of the path to the deathless is beginning to recognize what triggers are going to act upon. 
This itself is no small uh, thing. Because myself has got a lot of uh, pre-decisions in it. This happens, I immediately do that. Because that's the way I am. This happens, I don't do that. Because that's the way I am. This happens, or I can't possibly do that. Because that's the way I am. This happens, I've got to do this because that's the way I am. I always do it. That's the way I am. (laughs) So really pausing, pausing, pausing. Well, just... And in fact, I can't see any other way. Because I'm so in that. I can't see any other way other than to... Whatever I do. We have our traits and tendencies, I'm sure. Some aspects of us, we like to make everything go our own way. Sure, sure. Yeah, I want things to go my way. And, but then with some wisdom you begin to recognise, well, yeah, that's what I like. But what if everybody wants to get it their own way? <laughs> maybe we should negotiate something. <laughs> and maybe it could be not what I immediately feel familiar with, but actually lead to some interesting, oh, I didn't realise that. You know, something could arise out of a new paradigm that hadn't mapped out. Cooperation, negotiation, not having things go my way, but oh, that's interesting. I think, yeah, okay, try that. So this is just a simple, fairly uh, straightforward example. You know, like, what are you conditioned into? This is not critical. We're all conditioned in. We must be, otherwise we wouldn't know how to tie our shoelaces up. (laughs) Yeah, we learned that. We've got that one down. Okay. Good. Driving cars and stuff, all good stuff. So we're all conditioned in, but then you begin to just have a pause period. So how many of these things are perhaps more more, less functional, more just, um, I always do it things this way. <coughs> and which other people would say, oh yeah, that's her. She always does that. Oh really? <laughs> we always work. There's a friend of mine saying, you know, he, when he worked at a, uh, a business, and there was this guy that all knew, they called him Mad Bill, or something like that, Crazy Bill, because he was always working. Always working. In fact, he, he got married, and eventually after he gave up, so I don't have the time to be married, it's too, too busy working. <laughs> I just can't, I can't do it. And so, <laughs> into that thing, you know. So, of course, he, you know, he succeeded, whatever that means, got some money, got a position, couldn't do anything else but work. He was so conditioned to that. <laughs> he gave up a, a marriage because he couldn't, didn't have the time for it. <laughs> and so this friend of mine was sitting in his office one day, and it's like, and he noticed after a while that at six o'clock everybody else would be going home. They said, good night, good night. Yeah, right. He's still there. He never really... Noticed it, the fact that we also going, he was still there, <laughs> working away. And 
And when it was Sunday afternoon, he was in the office working Sunday afternoon, and got a phone call from this guy called Crazy Bill, whatever his name was. He said, oh, I knew you'd be in the office. Sunday afternoon, oh, yeah, well, I, thought, I didn't bother to phone home when you would be in the office. He suddenly realised, I'm as crazy as he is. Suddenly <laughs> 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 so, got it, suddenly got it, you know. I'm just as crazy as he is. Put down the phone. Next day, Monday, sign, I'm off. <laughs> suddenly, just you know, suddenly realised just how programmed he got into it. He just noticed off three weeks walking in the hills, walking in the countryside, came back, retired. You know. You know, what is it? And suddenly the penny drops. It's still, there you are, your head down, in your whatever you're doing, in your life, in your actions, totally sealed into it, driven along, barely recognising, sometimes you're recognising your suffering, but it doesn't matter because we've got to get the job done, keep going, and suddenly the penny drops. You are <laughs> a slave. <laughs> That's what you've done, you know. And you, you think, I don't know, how do I, how do I stop? I don't know. I don't know. Well, just jump. <laughs> just jump. Just put it down, you know. That's something you just kind of lights up with fear, anxiety, but also exhilaration. We could step out. We don't know where it's going. Well, we just know this thing, I know where that's going. <laughs> and, you know, that's myself. And I get now. It's got to be something else. These are sometimes big steps that people make. Probably not that many times in their lives. Some of our stepping out is of perhaps lesser. Um, significance, lesser depth, lesser um, abrupt change we recognise perhaps the relationship we embedded in really isn't working and it's naturally sad and anxious and worrying and so on yeah but where's this going? You know where it's going. You just don't want to know where it's going. <laughs> you feel the kind of death of the heart in the drabness and the orderliness and the fixity and the here we go again. Mm-hmm. And maybe our lives have an element of security and safety in that, but they also begin to die in some respect and perhaps we assume that's the way it is it doesn't have to be the way it is there is another domain this doesn't mean that saying by any means that you know working on a job or a relationship is wrong if it's fresh alive your heart's in it beautiful congratulations wonderful 
there's areas in which we say, well, yeah, but it can be, I need to change something within this. Maybe I don't need to change my job, I just need to change my attitudes towards it. This perfectionist, this I've got to do it all, more sense of, well, job needs to be done, how are we going to do it? Rather than I'm going to do it all. Or, job, this needs to be done. Well, good if it did happen, but it don't know if it's going to happen, does it? That one could have some sense of having a little bit of negotiation on these programs that we get so fixated in because the sense is you have to get it done, you have to be perfect, you have to be totally reliable on your own, solidly, all the time. You don't ever really entertain the possibility that it could be open, there could be an unknown. And in that unknownness, other factors could come in to support you. Because we don't want to risk that sense of not being who I've become not being the totally reliable, not being the unwaveringly dependent, not being the person who does it all, not aiming for the not 10 out of 10 grade, but saying, well, yeah, well, I reckon probably 8, 7, 8 is good enough for me. You know, I can do that without breaking anything, that's fine, I want to stay sane. I want to stay complete, I want to stay whole, I don't want to do violence to the system. Right? Pressing and squashing and continually overriding these signals that come up in my heart, my body, my mind. I'm, you know, I'm collapsing, I'm stiffening, I'm going fixated on this. This is not good. Life is unfinished, life is open. You know, maybe we're sail through it. Yeah, sure. You don't want to just be thrown out in the in the tide in the tide, but at the same time you want to be able to sail and pick up the breezes, pick up, it's not all you paddling like crazy, there's got to be something there that's moving you along. The tide of faith, the tide of goodwill, the tide of heart, the wonderful swell of chitta, when we are enriched by what we're doing, truly enriched, and we feel a sense of this rises for me, my heart lifts in this, I'm not dragging myself in this, I'm not pushing myself in this, I'm not whipped into this, I'm not drudging through it. <laughs> yeah. And then this personal life can be something that you know one does feel as an offering rather than a job, chore. It's my offering. It doesn't have to be the best, but this is what I can offer. Mm-hmm. And that gives me joy. <coughs> And, uh, you know, it's, this is where the heart can rise. And probably we all touch into that at times, hopefully. But we also recognise there are places where I do get compulsive. And sometimes with good intentions, I've got to do it all. I've got to make sure it all works. Well, no guarantees is the response, well, I can bring forth, that's what I can do. So we're not asking the world of space and time to come up with gold stars and uh, 
rounds of applause or freedom from blame. We're recognising it probably won't come up with all absolutely positive, probably will come up with occasional flicker of blame, criticism and so forth. That's that's okay, (coughs) because you're not hanging on to it as something that's going to give you the best thing anyway. This is just the place where you do your offering. Where you get your resources from is somewhere else. Where you get your resources from to make your offering has to come from somewhere else. Now, if the I am, the I is only getting its resources from myself, my residues, well, the best that can happen is you just be going on the same track, on and on and on, as best you can. Probably, um, yeah, with diminishing returns in terms of uh, initiative freshness, it'll be the same thing you've been doing. Could be reasonable hopefully. There's another resource, apart from I am, myself, my residues, my learnt, my conditioned, my patterns, there's another resource which is also available, timeless, spaceless, measureless, abiding, abiding in chitta, the heart, and deepening into that. This deepening in is through particular um, processes, one is called uh, samadhi, absorbing, deepening into the subtler domains of the body. As the mind and the body begin to blend in energy, energy calms down, the nervous system cools down, we feel a sense of inner deepening, time slows down, some of our identity patterns dissolve, uh, with something else that's deeply refreshing and void of worry, uh, void of ill will, void of grabbing and holding, bright, fresh, not agitated, and steady. And then we draw our resource from that resource of samadhi. You've touched into that. And some of these aspects of myself, which have not been so helpful, my worry, my agitation, my doubt about myself, my irritability, my impulsiveness, those have been cleaned out, at least temporarily. You begin to arise with a mind that's fresh, composed. And... Samadhi. The other aspect, another main feature of Buddhist practice, in terms of just refreshing and renewing, is the called these measureless abidings, abiding in quality of goodwill, of compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. Now both these domains are transpersonal rather than personal. Now what this means is when we refer to samadhi, most people will say, oh, that means concentration. And that's a word that has some validity to it. It's certainly a composed collective state. 
If you have what we call personal concentration, which is when I'm focusing on the job that I'm doing, when I'm focusing when I'm driving, I'm focusing on playing chess, I'm definitely focusing and one-pointed on that particular thing. And it's something I definitely do, I make an effort to do, it takes effort. And at the end of it, perhaps, it's nice to take a break from that particular endeavour. It requires quite a bit of effort to stay focused on that thing, because you're in the personal world. The personal world means that if you don't make that kind of effort, what's going to happen is you're going to get distracted by sights and sounds, you're going to get distracted by thoughts and memories, you're distracted by feelings and impressions. So you actually keep pretty tight focused on what you're doing. And it requires a powerful object, probably with some sense of either it's going to be dangerous if you don't do it, or you get reward if you do do it. So we're definitely on that. And we can structure into that. And this can become part of your self-package as someone who can focus on their task. That's, that's a certain skill, or a talent, or a faculty you develop on a personal level. But samadhi, most properly, somehow samadhi is transpersonal, which means at the time that process in the time of samadhi, there's no particular sights and sounds that are impinging on me. Uh, my mind is not having to deal with worries and thoughts. I don't have to make this kind of intense effort. In fact, it's rather relaxing. I've begun to deepen into a place or territory or domain where. You know, maybe sights and sounds are not happening somewhere, like you're listening, you're in the other room, or you're underwater, you can hear people talking above you in the, above the swimming pool, but you're not really into it. It's not that involved, and gradually your sense of where you are changes into something when this is kind of constant impingement is no longer happening. You know, because you've entered a domain, not through suppression, but through skill, an inner domain which is not um, attuned to such uh, qualities. And this is to be found in the somatic presence of the body and in the mind, in the mind as it, as it dwells and absorbs into that. So the nature of chitta, of mind, also is to, there's several quick uh, features to it, one is it's, it sympathizes and resonates with experience, and one is it's able to linger and pause and widen and deepen into what's being experienced. As you probably noticed, the ordinary level, you know, you can say, taste something and linger around that flavour for a while. Well, if you multiply that skill 10 times, 20 times, you get some idea of what absorption means. But because of the nature of sense contact it is fairly brief, it's not, you can't really get absorption on that level. You have to absorb into something that's much more, um, you might say, uh, neurological, a feel good quality, feel good quality. And this can happen in terms of calm. So the, ah, uh, you begin to, through samadhi, begin to attune to qualities of calm and composure that actually very, are much slower 
moving and changing than sense contact. Calm the posture, breathing in, breathing out. The energies of the body at this level are much slower and more sustainable. They tend to regenerate themselves. And, you know, talk about that. What I'm saying is that this samadhi is a a doorway, a path to another domain. And the process absorbing, being able to linger and enrich and stay with and soak in, soak up. Absorption leads to samadhi. Samadhi is not actually an action of concentrating it's a state of collectedness that occurs through the skills of mindfulness and energy where you direct your attention to there and you just hold it there and you keep going back to that and lingering in it. And Sampajanya, you keep absorbing, picking up and distilling what you receive at the place of calm and depth. And if that process goes on, you're going to find that it stays for a second, Five seconds, ten seconds, maybe. You know, and you just, well, it's better. And it's a long-term effect of that. Every time you do that, some of my jitteriness has, I don't go there anymore. So there's a, there's a long-term effect as well as the effect you get in your meditation period. The meditation doesn't end when the bell rings. Your mind doesn't end, it goes on. <laughs> so... This means that many of the effects that we experience through meditation um, actually are long term, even though you may uh, find that the meditation period itself is a bit of a struggle. Actually, over a period of time, you're like, yeah, well, after I walk out, and, yeah, I do feel pretty calm and easy, and I don't particularly feel like I want to do a lot of stuff, and I do feel more relaxed. You know? So there's a long term effect in which and Chitta naturally by itself attunes to domains, dimensions, textures, tones that are just much more beneficial. Where we feel less pressurized, less frantic, less problem, less beset, less haranguing ourselves. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because why do we do these painful things to ourselves? What's happening is that aspects, and some of the most deeply afflictive aspects of myself, which is the patterns, we've begun to disconnect them without harm, sometimes barely recognizing it, just by withdrawing from them. If you don't keep energizing them, they die out. And that's the long process, that's the long, if you just Stop putting emotional energy, belief, conviction, responding to defective programs, ones you know are defective, then they're going to die out. Because they are sankharas, they're energetic formations, they require feeding. If you don't feed them, they die. Period. And so, part of our wisdom practice is to recognize how am I feeding them unconsciously? How am I giving them more air time? How am I buying into their messages? 
how am I letting myself be pushed around by them? And to stop doing that. Pause. You don't need to follow that. You want to, you think it's the only way you can. You have to. If you get those voices, have to, only way, it's impossible, nobody ever else will, it's up to me. You really owe it to yourself. Please pause. It's just for 10 seconds. Please pause. Listen to that. The energy of that. The trap of it. Take a chance. Just for a minute. So just this process, which seems kind of undramatic, because it uh, doesn't seem to get into these really depth states, they do have a long-term effect. In meditation, in a retreat, we just have an opportunity to more or less be held in a situation where some of those programs and buttons aren't getting so pushed, then, oh yeah, it's possible you'd see, yeah, it wasn't easy, but it's been beneficial. So samadhi is both long-term and also meditation. And practice is keep turning the mind away and into places where we feel more settled, ground, simplicity, the involuntary qualities of breathing and out. Something's given to us. And the other feature is this qualities I've mentioned, the qualities of heart, called the measureless abidings. Again, on a personal level, I imagine most of us will definitely look towards acts of kindness and goodwill and compassion. Uh, we may have forgotten about equanimity. <laughs> it's not so easy on a personal level. And appreciative joy you get perhaps when your, your son gets his degree or finally settles down. <laughs> ah, thank goodness, you know. He's happy. But um, this is on the personal level. It's very much affected by circumstances and by perhaps by our ability to, to do something, say something, make something happen. And so the frustration can be, you know, I really have a lot of goodwill, but I can't seem to do it. I can't seem to change things, make people better, heal people, uh, you know, who are sick, save the world. Pollution, environmental decay, and so on. So we can feel almost this quality of heart becomes painful, extremely painful, when we're set up against the frustration of the world of space and time. Transpersonal means it doesn't matter. Well, it matters on a personal level very much. And transpersonal means that no, I, I never. This should be a quality that is never. I'm never deprived of because it is my life it is my beauty as a human being to experience this this is the delight of the heart so whether I can do anything or not that's secondary that's always going to be constrained but I can be it I can be it I can be the loving I can be the sharing, I can be the, the uh, tender-hearted, I can be the rejoicing. 
But to do so generally means aspects of my conditioned self have to recede. My conditioned self always recognizes how limited I am. My inabilities, my lack of talents, my lack of power to change things. So it can be when we come into the qualities of heart, my conditioned self feels rather sad and uh, limited what I can do. Doing is always only one part of what we're about. I, the doer. And yeah, certainly when we've got chances, we've got possibilities to do acts of love, kindness, concern, compassion, let's do it. Let's not miss an opportunity, because every one of those can lay down a residue. And in this domain, very significant, because it's not just for me, it's for others who receive the benefits of my compassion and concern. Let's not waste the moment when that could happen. To myself, how do I experience that? This is the one I'm living with 24-7. What could be quality of non-aversion, non-hostility, non-fear, non trivialization of this, of this heart. The self is conditioned, limited, but I can know myself. I can be aware of myself, my patterns, my programs, my habits. The things about me that made me think, oh dear, Oh, you idiot, why did you do that? Why did you ever get it together? And then something goes, Yeah, but I love you anyway. (laughs) 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 We don't take myself as the final statement. This is the vipaka, we call it, the residues that actually many of them, those residues, were not because I particularly chose to have those residues, they were because that's what happened in the world of space and time, in the world of other people, in the world of praise and blame, in the world of comparisons, in the world of accidents and mishaps and people being careless or people being downright nasty. Um, That's what happened. This is what came out. This myself. It's good bits and it's battered bits. Okay. But don't just take a stand on that as being some final place to stand. Somewhere beneath or beyond that. This is where the transpersonal qualities of acceptance non-aversion, non-indifference, 
non-dismissiveness towards this intimate experience of myself as I, my mind becomes aware of that, of who I am, who I seem to be. And when you sit, this is what you're going to find. There's those momentary occasions of things that land, things that impulses that happen, interests, difficulties, choices, jumping up, and results, pleasure, pain, disagreeable, disagreeable. And then almost beneath that, as the final judge and decider, is myself. As, well, this is who you are, uh, you're on your own, um, you, know, you are this way, people think you're this, everybody assumes you're that, people see you as this, you've been called that, you've been named that, you've been, you've been formed in that way, that's who you are. and that can be there and it's generally bounded by a sense of limitation it could be frustration it could even be feeling of uh, loss and lack not good enough is anybody's self good enough is anybody's self really when you honestly contemplate in your own experience uh, yourself is that something that you feel jubilant about? <laughs> or, okay, I can manage it. That's all right. That's who I am, and so forth. Or sometimes you know, quite afflicted by it. Certain places where it just goes funny. It feels shut down, or it feels frightened, or it feels um, lack of love. Loss of that fluency and mutuality and warmth. These are places we want to touch with heart and compassion. And the, the transpersonal level, it's not really about doing anything. Person does. Person is the eye that does. But the transpersonal, we're coming beneath the level of I, me, myself, into heart. It doesn't matter what it is, whose it is where it came from, what it's about, here it is. Are you going to let yourself go into ill will again? Are you going to let yourself dismiss this? Are you going to let yourself say, oh, it doesn't matter, get over it, forget about it? Are you going to let yourself go, yeah, but so whatever you can do that, I'm not so good anyway. Shouldn't get attached to feeling happy. Are you going to let yourself do that again? Sabotage, or you can say, This is well being, enjoy. This sense of dismissing, um, criticizing, uh, this is unworthy, this is not beautiful. If there's pain in my experience, psychological pain, emotional pain, okay, touch that. Pause. Feel what's happening in your body. Relax. Relax. 
where it begins to touch into more fundamental sense. May this be well. May the qualities of ill will are not interested in those anymore, not convinced by those. This is hugely transformative, and of course it's rather um, trackless, because it's the piece we don't know. Myself, I know very well. I'm getting to know more and more. This domain, not self, I don't know, because I haven't tracked it. I haven't familiarized it. I haven't conditioned it. It's the piece that's unconditioned by that. Therefore, I don't know it. So every time I pause at that place where I feel flummoxed, lost, sharp, helpless, agitated, frustrated, I don't know what to do. I really don't know what to do. Exactly. Because I can't do it. It isn't a place where I can do things. That's exactly it. But I can be at that place of vulnerability, refusing to participate in dismissiveness, in intimidation, in belittling, in sideline, sidetracking, into dismissing it, getting over it, going to something else. I don't accept those qualities. These are the places where I, I don't know, but I want to go into something that's not moving, a measureless quality. A measureless quality is not moving. And at first it doesn't seem like it's just the abating of reactivity, the diminution of reaching and flickering into those knee-jerk reactions, psychological reactions. But uh, over time you begin to sense, oh, this, which seems kind of subtle and not particularly dramatic, is the ending of ill will. The ending of cramped, constricted. The ending of reactive. It's abundant. It's measureless. Absorb this. Absorb this. You can trust this. Mm-hmm. You'll begin to pull out the threads of suffering. So this is by no means say, you know, an immediately exciting prospect or immediately surges of profound emotion. It's a dismantling of the trap of ill will, of inferred hostility, of mistrust, of giving up on yourself. It's the dismantling of that. When you dismantle these conditions, which may very well be part of your self-package, then you're touching into something measureless, uh, abundant, free. And it will certainly begin to rise up for you. You may find yourself, after a while, feeling extremely tender and gentle and grateful. And you wonder where did that come from?
because it didn't come from myself. I, me, myself, this is the track, this is the path of the world, of time, space, conditions, and that can be okay, reasonable, it's always going to be marked by separation, pain, death, change. Sometimes it can be extremely unhappy. That's that. And beyond that, through that, through this very body-mind experience, we can touch into something more bounteous, mysterious, unconditioned, unprescribed. This is our freedom, this is our joy. This is our mystery, this is our search. So as we practice today, just around this theme, first of all, getting that sense of beginning to recognize those reactive pieces, where we either physically move or verbally move or something touches our hearts and we find ourselves chattering about a memory, spluttering, worrying, <coughs> scheming, pause. What happened there? Why did it get so active all of a sudden? What happened there? There was myself. What did it want? What did it need? It wanted security. It wanted to make things tidy, sorted out, established, confirmed, make everybody else happy, reasonable enough. That's what it wanted. Yeah. And it isn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to feel a pleasant feeling when in fact the feeling was unpleasant. Better to allow an unpleasant feeling to arise, be felt, soften, relax, let it move through. Better to do that than to keep jumping to a pleasant feeling. You can find in the long run you get deeper, stronger, more imperturbable. This is definitely for your welfare and happiness. Pick up the places where you start berating yourself, complaining about yourself, belittling yourself, uh, comparing yourself with others in a negative light. Stop. Pause. What's happening? This is absolutely normal. What's happening? Who's here? Who is this? Who's doing the chatting? Who's doing the accusation? Is that your friend? Pause. That moment you haven't you don't can't see anything else apart from that one because it's so well established. But you at least pause, come into your body. Come into what's happening in your body, relax, soften your body, release your shoulders, your face, your eyes, your forehead, take a long breath. Just pause. Don't try to get out of it, just pause within that. Because it's the speed of the reactivity that keeps it going. If you just come to another place in your body where you can 
change your time, when you can slow it, you're already beginning to take away one of its main foods, which is time. It loves speed. It loves compulsiveness. It loves to get you running. If you don't run, you're gradually starving it. And you can hear that voice. Who is that? Who is that? Step back from that. Say thank you <coughs> to the voice that criticizes you. It gets very surprised when you thank you. Because <laughs> <laughs> it loves ill will. <laughs> it loves ill will and fear. So if you're not frightened, you don't respond with ill will, it shrinks a little bit. Thank you. Why don't we take a little walk? <laughs> Tell me about everything else. The world, yourself, other people. Can you listen to this demented state? Like you're listening to some very person who's just escaped from a madhouse. <laughs> oh dear. Oh. That's okay. <laughs> Let's just feel the pressure of the feet on the ground, the warmth of the sun on my back. Breathing it out. It's changing the tone from fear, compulsion, into gentleness, lovingness, softness. It kind of starts to whimper to a halt. But you should be doing something more important than you're here for. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing something very important. See, and every time you chip away a little bit at the compulsive programs, you're doing the most important thing. You're doing the only thing that can be done. The rest of it happens by itself. If you take away the compulsive, the conditioned, the unconditioned and the free happens by itself. You can't do it, you can't make it. Just remove the obstacles and it comes through. Strange joy, strange humour, strange gladness. <laughs>